Welcome back to Love Music More. I am Scoobert Dubert, and I am joined with an awesome guest, Alex Delicata. Alex has worked on all your favorite artists, um, you know, everybody from Beyonce, Rihanna, Kygo, One Republic, Meek Mill. Just listened to Sober by Hunter Hayes. That was dope. Um, super excited to talk to you. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. We're going to talk songwriting, my favorite subject. Cool. Loki. So let's let's get into it. Let's have some fun. Yeah, man. Let's go. So so you're based in you're based in L.A. Yes, I am. My uh, my studio here that we're, we're sitting in is in Howland Park at a place called Lemon Tree Studios. Um, it's sort of like just underneath the main strip of like Figueroa. If, if your L.A. people are checking this out, um, I love the location. Love this part of the city. So happy happy to be here. I've been here for a couple of years now. I, I love that part of the city too. If I ever if I ever move back from San Diego, that would that would be on the are you, are you from sure. San Diego originally? I, I am, man. I lived in L.A. for a minute and then uh, found my way back down here uh, when my, my uh, then-girlfriend, now-wife, went to San Diego State. So then I, I made it back and um, kind of put down some roots down here. So Amazing. It's cool. It's nice I down there, it. man. Great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good vibe. It's a good vibe. So how did you get into songwriting? How, what was like the spark? What was the thing that was like, okay, I, 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 I want to do this or I want to I wanna, like, start writing? Seriously. Well, it's a really good question, actually, because I think um, probably until I was already sort of like doing it, I didn't even realize it was like a job that you could have. So like growing up, you know, I was playing in bands and I was doing that kind of thing. And so we would write our own songs and I probably started doing that when I was, um, you know, more seriously in high school and things like that. And before that, you know, when I was starting out making music, like just learning how to play guitar and piano and stuff early on, I would, of course, like always sort of even in classical piano lessons, like go off script and be like writing yes. riffs and licks and like that kind of totally. stuff and songs. So I've been like writing for a long time, but getting into it as a, as a career um, was something that I think I just sort of happened into. Like I was, um, I'm from Chicago originally, um, but I was, I went to school for jazz guitar in Miami. Um, and so I spent most of my, you know, the next like 10 years uh, based out of Miami and, um, I started off just doing like gigs, sessions, whatever anybody would have me on as a guitar player. Um, And then that sort of like morphed its way into um, like helping producers write tracks. And like at that point, I didn't even really know that producing was like a thing or like what that even really looked like and all the different kinds that there were. I was just so stoked to be in the studio doing anything. So I was going in like just doing guitar sessions for people, which turned into like helping make tracks and then uh, helping co-write and doing all that stuff and doing the production. And so I just sort of fell into it. I can't, can't remember if I'm answering your question or not, but no, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of that's how good. it all started. Yeah. 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 No, that's super interesting. I'm actually, I want to, I want to latch onto the, the very beginning of kind of your musical journey. Um, I'm always curious about like people that have like the writer spirit there. I feel like there's a different thing between being like, necessarily just like i i play songs and i excel at like improvisation and and like laying it down every single night and then the types that like 
immediately when they start learning stuff, they start like being like, oh, but I could go over here or I could improvise on this. Or like one of my problems when I was younger is I would learn the vocabulary. So I would learn like my favorite phrase or riff or something like that and then build something weird off of it. My parents would be like, why aren't you just playing the damn song? Like just play it down. I'm like, no, you know, I'm trying to like mess with it, like figure it out and get inside of it. Did, Did you have a similar experience when you were like getting into music? Did you feel that writer energy or did that grow? I mean, I think there was just a curiosity for like what these sounds are. Like we just had a piano in our house. Like Mm -hmm. my parents, neither of them were musical, like or did anything professionally. My dad used to kind of mess around on the piano sometimes. He had like, I think a really strong ear and could sing and and all of that. But um, I always just had a curiosity for like the piano just sitting in our house. And so like before I started taking lessons or anything like that, I would just kind of go over there and explore and kind of like play whatever. So I think it started off being like just this sort of curious, exploration of sounds and things that sound cool and then of course like you know that I think opens you up to listening to stuff more critically and so you're like listening differently even at a really young age and you're just like oh man that thing on that recording is fucking amazing can I cut sorry I don't know if I can yeah you can cut yeah it's fucking amazing we'll throw the E on there yeah yeah. we're good for the rest of the episode (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sorry but (laughs) amazing and then you want to copy that and so then you know my parents of course like wanted to like encourage me to do it and they didn't really know any other way than to like do classical piano lessons or whatever it was so the structure I think came then and okay you know, that became like a complicated relationship in its own. Like I loved learning the technique and things like that, but I didn't function so well with like structure and lessons became this sort of anxious thing about performance rather than about freely creating. And I, so I think I always latched on to, well, this feels like more of an escape and it's more collaborative, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that part of it, I think was always, was always there for sure. Yes. And I, I think it's funny when, when, I don't know, the modern way of teaching classical, which already sounds like an oxymoron, <laughs> is like so performance focused. Yeah. When like, if you look at like Bach and stuff, these dudes improvise, like Mozart improvised, like they, they were, they were players and they would write kind of more like the way the jazz players do today. That's kind of how they would do, like Bach would sit down at the organ and play his tune, but then like go off and do, do some exploration and then come back to the head. Like, yeah, I mean, totally. Totally. In. Yeah. But we don't, we don't really teach it that way anymore. And, and uh, I think that, I think that, I don't know, your instincts were right. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I think yeah. it, it's a great thing for some people. Like there's yeah, obviously sure. a, a balance, no matter how far you are along and what part of music or really anything you're doing, there's a balance between like your craft and your technical ability and then like some a totally different uh, skill set, which is, you know, creativity. I mean, th- this works in mm-hmm. anything, not just like music. I mean, yeah, I think people yeah. who are great at decision making for large companies, like can both understand how something works and then also, you know, think outside the box and be able to be at like 10,000 feet a little bit sometimes too. And that's a hard thing to do inside your own brain as like a musician and a songwriter, of course, too, because you have to sort of play both of those roles sometimes in the same day, you know? So absolutely. And and that that moving between craft and creativity or intuition, right? Is, yeah, that's that's a super interesting interplay. And one one can like benefit the other. When you reach the end of your intuition, you can go back to your craft and and vice versa. Yeah. Oh, I mean, totally. I think it's a good way to. I think when you're neglecting either of those things, and this is like a bit of a deeper thing, that's like good. then that's I what think this pod's for. Yeah, I think like <laughs> then you sort of like get in, into trouble, and it's hard. You lose inspiration. You can lose like forward motion so I think like always trying to be learning and improving things um 
I, at least I find that to be some of the most inspiring stuff, like just watching other people who I really respect work or um, whatever it might be, even watching like tutorials, like all the yeah. time. I'm always trying to like learn different ways to look at things and stuff like that so that I can then be free. But then also taking time away from music, taking yeah. going outside, you know what I mean? Doing stuff like that to just sort of like, you know, be away from it enough and like be able to have some perspective on everything that you're doing is I think also equally important. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, on that, on that. So I'm a, I'm a distance runner. Yeah, there you go. You are a, you're a, you're an endurance athlete as well. Cycling, right? Yes, exactly. I, I, th- I think, I don't think this, anyone's the, ever called me an endurance athlete, but I like that. It makes me. <laughs> the, the, it, well, I like I like that phraseology because it it relates really well to music. Yeah. Music is an endurance athletic well, <laughs> activity. As I mean, well. I think there's the thing about I don't know if you feel this way, but like yeah. I have no fucking control over whether or not I'm going to get a good day or a bad day. Uh, yes. Like writing, I mean, I've been in rooms with people who uh, like just incredible rooms, and we've gotten terrible songs. I mean, it happens yeah. all the time, and 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 I think mm-hmm. you know. <sighs> There's something about just like showing up every day and just like being there and like making time to do it. That's like the the important metric to watch. And I feel that way about cycling too, or or running any endurance sport is like, some days you're going to have good days and some days you're going to have bad days. You just get out there and train. You just get out there and run and like, just see what happens. You have no idea how you're going to feel 15 minutes into the thing versus how you felt uh, when you started. And that can totally be true with music too. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And in the same way, like you could, like I, I just did a, I did a 16 miler. I haven't done that in like a year. I'm training for Chicago Marathon. Nice, great marathon, um, great yeah, marathon. I'm super stoked, and it's actually a flat one, which is a first for me. Um, so, um, but I got my ass kicked. I, yeah. I, I, I like I'm like, oh, I'm a good runner. I've done multiple marathons, or whatever, and I just absolutely hit the wall, and it broke me. And it was that it was that feeling of like, what am I doing? Why did I pick such a stupid activity? And then yesterday, ran a tempo. I'm like, I feel great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, this it, rocks. it really is just like music in so many ways. Because yeah. like you can have all the hits in the world or successful mm-hmm. songs or feel really accomplished one day, and then just have like two weeks of just <laughs> how what is happening? Like making yep. just the most garbage stuff. And yep. it just, you just have no control over it. So you just have to laugh at it and try to move on and, and keep, keep writing, keep working. And, and that's know? the stuff that people on the outside don't see. <laughs> oh it's yeah. It's like Instagram and stuff, you know, like you, you think that like, I, I, I tell, I tell mixing clients this often too, is like, Hey man, don't compare my mix necessarily to that guy's master. It's like, this is the first mix. Like we're working on it. We're getting there. It's like, it's not a one-to-one apple to apple kind of comparison. Like yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, I don't know about you, but like, yeah. I probably bat like, I don't know, one out of every 30 or 40 songs is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think right. I'm really proud of. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. granted, there's great ideas and stuff in there. And uh-huh. I, but the thing is, I think you sort of almost have to work through all the puzzles of like, and sort of fail at them in order to like get to anything good ever anyways. So yeah. I, there's there's learning in all of it, even if it feels like just soul crushing after a few days of like not doing well in the studio you know totally Um, yeah just remembering that it'll come and trying i I try not to control it you know there are certain things you can do but i think the less you try to control it the better off you are you know i'm curious i'm curious about that process so so say you've you've been been working on a few it's not quite coming how do you rinse and repeat 
how do you like reapproach that moment and say, okay, no, no, let's let's attack this kind of idea in a different way, or let's let's switch up the chords, let's switch up the form. Like, what what are, what's your process to like keep keep going? Like, I mean, to that next level? so I think this changes all the time and it's evolving yeah. all the time. So like, um, I guess that's a good question. I think I think sometimes even in the course of one session, mm-hmm. you can do this mostly by a not being too precious about any one idea and like not and and it's like sort of this mentality of like not editing while you're creating so it's just sort of like you got to just get these ideas out you got to like get stuff down before you can decide if it's good or bad anyway so i don't know i i feel like um if we've been struggling, the the best thing to do sometimes is number one, take a break for fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. main thing. Like go outside, change the environment. Mm-hmm. I think if things aren't coming, like at least to get like a good framework that everyone's really excited about pretty quickly, it's mm-hmm. almost always better to pivot and just switch gears, switch topics, start something completely new at a different tempo. I cool. I can't remember who I got this from. It was probably Mike Karen or something like that, but. Um, mm-hmm that like the second idea of the day is typically better than the first idea of the day, mm, especially cool. if you're working with new people. I feel like okay. just getting the cobwebs off and getting comfortable with one another and like sort of like getting the ball really rolling is mm-hmm. its own thing. And it's really rare that the first idea is going to be the best one. I think once people have kind of gotten their nerves off and we can all laugh and be like, that was fucking terrible. Then like, <laughs> you know, you can break and then start something with like no pretense. Like oftentimes, yeah even if we're writing for a specific artist for a specific brief or the artist is in the room um, Mm -hmm. and they're very passionate about a concept, sometimes like the random uh, second idea you have that is is coming from totally left field is going to be the winner. So, or third idea. So yeah, that I think in a, in like is one way that you can sort of like get through things is sort of just kind of not be afraid to start again, start something new. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think another thing that I do, this is like more of a big picture thing, yeah. is, um, you know, try to find balanced time for like aimless creativity. I'm trying to do this more okay. now where there's no purpose to like what I'm doing. Like if it's like sit down at the guitar or the piano or something in my house even and just sit for 30 or 40 minutes and play for mm-hmm. no reason. Don't think about trying to record these ideas. Don't think about mm-hmm. any of that. Like and just throw it away. I mean, just yes. getting like the creative juices kind of like making it not attached to any sort of goal or any sort of anything else just to like abstractly make things up, mm-hmm. I think is a great way to get your mind out of these patterns that we get ourselves into or sort of refresh yourself. So I don't know if you, any of those things y- are things that you've used yourself or, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I so resonate with that last bit. Um, cause I, you know, I voice note on voice note on my phone, but I, a lot of them are not for the purpose of actually turning them into a song. A lot of them are just like the stupidest thing I could think of right there. Just like a dumb lyric collection, or I'm sitting in traffic, losing my mind and I'm just going to record it just so that I have this weird thing. And every once in a while, one of those little nuggets turns into like a seed of a song, but it gets me in the process of I'm in the shower, I'm writing something. And I always try to write at least one awful thing a day. Yeah, and that's great. That's a great tool. Adapt, people people love yeah. doing like that sort of yeah. like let's intentionally write a bad song for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? Like it, it again, it's a thing that I think takes the pressure off. Um mm-hmm. because I think, you know, if you're a professional songwriter or producer or whatever, like there is an inevitability to like the idea that you know, you're going to have pressure to 
create things or to control success or control like, okay, well, if I catalog all these ideas and I'm super organized and I go through them Mm -hmm. and I have this like process and I think that might work for some people. But for me, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm already so sort of like analytical and and judgy in certain ways and self-critical that um, and I think this is true for a lot of people. The best thing that I can do is just focus on um, finding ways to take the pressure off and like mm-hmm. remove the expectation piece so that I can just make a lot of stuff first and then let yeah. that like analytical instinct in later on yes. and, not, and not try yes. to control the process, you know? Exactly. And I love that. I love that perspective too of make the thing and then assess the thing and then do it again. Um, like separating the the critic, but not abolishing the critic. Like still making them important, but not necessarily completely in the moment. I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah. almost impossible to do. Like, yeah, there are, sure. certainly there are people where their balance is going to be a little different. Like, I know yeah. certain people are, um, like uh, irrationally overconfident, which I almost wish that I had that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, I don't know, DJ Khaled vibe, where you're just like, dude you are just insanely confident for no yeah. fucking reason, but it totally works <laughs> for you. That, which is amazing. Like yeah. I, I wish I had more of that sometimes, but um, yeah, like those people certainly are, are, you know, maybe more at danger of having to remember to judge themselves. But like, uh-huh. honestly, I'd rather f- err on that side of things of overconfidence than I would like being crippled by fear of failure or something like that. You know, yes. on this point, I'm, I'm curious what you would do in a session like this. Cause I've been in a few of these, where the ideas are flowing, mm-hmm. the song's coming along, but there's a writer in the room that doesn't really believe in editing. They believe, like, first pass, those are the lyrics, everything's in stone. And that that's hard for me to work with because, then I, like, I like to get stuff done and then let's, like, go back and tweak some things and reassess. Maybe we'll sing it and realize, like, these syllables don't hit. But some other writers will be like, no, as we're going, we are editing and we are getting each line perfect. Um, have you been in that situation? How would you how would you navigate that? I mean, I think I guess it it really like isn't something that if you if you don't have con- if it's a, a session you're already in, you don't have control over the room and yeah. like, you know, these are things that I think you try to ideally pay attention to um for future sessions where like okay. if you know yeah. certain writers work well with other writers that have similar tendencies and and complement each other well, then of course you try to put those people together. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you, if you can't in that situation, I think the best thing to do is just like, I don't know, I'm a believer that like, I try to be as hands off as possible, um, until as late as possible just to see like how things can go like naturally without, you know, me having to sort of like direct the flow of the session. So if somebody's, I think typically the faster moving person usually wins and that's Mm -hmm. fine. I'm cool with that. And then I think maybe if you're noticing uh, the other person wants to go back and edit, then maybe I give them a little bit of support later on and say, hey, you know, sure. what do you guys think about um, this lyric or this lyric? Or does anyone have any thoughts? Like sort of make it just an open conversation so that that person has their time to sort of get in there too and sort of, yeah. uh, and then, you know, we'll judge the ideas together because at the end of the day, you want the best possible product. Everybody's in mm-hmm. it for the same thing and you're supposed to fight over stuff. Like yes. if it's a good yeah. song and it's a good collaboration, there should be some passion there. Like mm-hmm. the worst thing that can happen is for people to come in and just kind of not care. Right. That's a waste right. of a day. You know what yes. I mean? Like it's, you should care. You should want it to be, um, the best that it possibly can be that day, you know, and mm-hmm. also try to have some mm-hmm. fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, 
it's still got to be fun. I think 90% of the time, it's a pleasant process writing the good ones, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Totally get it. Um, what's the what's the biggest session you've ever done? Because I know I like... like in, in terms of number of people? Yeah, number of people. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, like, so some of these, like, writing camp sessions, like, yeah. there's the, like, sort of, like, the famous Warner Chapel who I'm published by right now there they do like this Vegas camp every year with like I don't know there's a hundred people there at a time <laughs> what um not oh in the su- not in one studio but like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you but, know but they, they the whole they're, they're staying yeah. we stay at like a hotel in Vegas and they cool, stick cool. send everybody out to sessions and I've Sweet. definitely been in in sessions with like seven or eight people um awesome. like collaborating at one time yeah um and then other people in the room like kind of hanging out like especially like I think in like a camp setting like that, like a hip hop uh, session, you'll have like yeah. three producers, couple of mm-hmm. writers, an artist, you know what I mean? Maybe two artists. Yep. And yeah. um, that, those can be super fun because it's just, if everyone's plugged in, you're just jamming. I mean, yeah. like, I'm like making a guitar lick over here and then passing it over to this guy who's fucking it up a little bit. And then somebody else is like taking that and doing some drums. And then like, cool. all of a sudden we have a beat in seven minutes that someone's writing yeah. on and we're like off to the next beat. And that's like, that can be a really fun way to work for sure. That sounds super fun. I don't think do, sitting I, around writing like a like a folk like a you know like a piano song with eight <laughs> people is probably going to be that good, but it's probably that, happened too. I don't know. Yeah, no, and actually that's that's probably a, a question that um that some listeners would be having because they'll they'll see you know they'll open up the credits and see a bunch of names. Um, maybe maybe could you explain kind of like how that how that works? So like you you look at a I don't know um a, like Beyonce. Sure, sure. Like or, or see, yeah, see I mean, I think there's a lot yeah. of artists that have different processes for how this all works. Um, you know, it can be you're in just different situations all the time, at least for me, like yeah. oftentimes, sometimes there'll be an artist in the room in the session and it'll be myself, that artist, myself, that artist, a couple of co-writers, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it'll start off with maybe three even in yeah. a situation where you have the artist in the room and then, yeah. you know, we'll finish and I'll say, you know what, um, I have a, a friend who I'd love to collaborate on the production with here. He'd be perfect for this sort of production. So I pull him in and then there's an extra name on the list there as a writer. Cause he's okay. helped me with the track. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. you know, that's one way that that happens. But I think mm-hmm. for someone like Beyonce, um, typically it's going to probably go through the hands of a few different producers. So what'll happen oftentimes is at least my experience in, in having a uh, record with Beyonce was I wrote that song with um, Diana Gordon and Kevin Cossum in Miami. It was just the three of us. Cool. Um, and we were sitting, we wrote it on a, on guitar. It was like almost mm-hmm. like a country song. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I know the song. Yeah. And, um, and so that sat on, I think we definitely had her in mind when we wrote it, but it was for an album prior. Like it was two cool. years before. And it. Um, it sat so th- on... This, you weren't even thinking like Lemonade. Not at all. We didn't, I didn't yeah. know. I mean, not cool. at all. Um, we had no idea that that was even... being made i mean awesome but anyway so diana um gordon had it on her laptop for like she was like that's one of my favorite songs like but we have no fucking idea what to do with it um yeah and so like two years later i get a text message from her and she's like yo can you send me like you know the chords and like some other stuff from like basically write out the form and all that stuff for, for for uh daddy lessons and i said um yeah sure so i just sent it to her and then i got a call like maybe three months later and they were like um so we can't really tell you uh if we're using the song or not but beyonce is gonna buy like the song anyways and so like 
you know, you're going to do a producer deal, whatever, and it may or may not be on this next thing that's coming out sometime in the near future. So, yeah, so, like, then Lemonade dropped and it was on there, and the production was, like, way beefed up. Like, they kept yeah. some of my guitar stuff, but, like, I don't even know if it's me playing it. I think it got replayed even. And they, they hooked <laughs> cool. me up with a, a, a producer credit because they kept a lot of the yeah. parts. Got um, it. Cool. But basically cool. her band, like, replayed the song. So, wow. um yeah, like that one, obviously, she went in and edited a bunch. She like rewrote yep. a bunch of lyrics and like rewrote the whole bridge. Um, and then uh, obviously some other people that she works with ended up touching the production. So that that probably mm-hmm. added some names on there, too. I think that's mm-hmm. a typical process is like, yeah, that's, to, that's the, good. right. Short answer is like, you know, you yeah. get a song to an artist. They have a whole team that they like to make it their style and sort of help them, yes. you know, rewrite some stuff or whatever to make it more personal. And then. That's how you end up with essentially two writing sessions worth of people on credits. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that also makes sense why, you know, a, a song like that, that feels very personal and, and, and folk and country and like, you know, it feels like a, a writing session song that you do in Nashville or in Miami or whatever, like around an acoustic guitar, around a folk instrument. Yeah. And I mean, I de- that definitely was not the brief that we had that day. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just, I, again, that cool. might've been like, I think a second or third song thing. Like Kevin called me and he was just like, yo, bring mm-hmm. a guitar. We want to do something different than we've been doing all day. I said, all right, cool. Yeah. But, yeah. um. Yeah, that was a crazy one. And I, I, I guess like when, when Diana had, had played it for Beyonce, she was just like, damn, like I really can relate to that. Like I need to have that cool. song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yes, totally. It's crazy how music does that. Like, you know, so many shared experiences through people who, you know, seemingly would be so different. You know what I mean? I, yes. I, that's obviously a very broad, simple statement, but I think yeah. it, it's true. But it's profound at the same time. It's like, you know. That there's that's a reason why we have hits and stuff is it, <laughs> it it taps into like a cultural consciousness. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Not that I have hits. I meant like the royal. No, ones. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, sure. No, but I mean, you know, any music. It doesn't matter if it's ten people or a hundred people or a totally. billion people. Like, you know, I think that's a, that's what's cool about right now in music is for artists. I think if you can find, you know, your little small group of like passionate fans that really love you you can make a career out of this it doesn't it's not either like you're beyonce or you're nothing you know what i mean like there is like this at least for artists like Mm -hmm. uh a middle class that sort of exists now that i think hasn't existed for a long time totally totally and i and i i like i like that there are more fans that are adapting that too that's part of the reason why i wanted to do this podcast so that the people that want to like get heavier into the process understand the nuts and bolts not necessarily even if they want to do it just to like get the behind the scenes like the dvds and stuff i mean like i know the lord of the rings better now because i watched the extended (laughs) yeah like i can't drive an f1 car and i never will but i still like watching drive to survive you know right exactly that's pretty cool and it it makes you appreciate the the races more totally like now i understand the personalities and the teams and what all what all goes into this and yeah yeah i mean definitely and i think you know i i'm not sure that i would wish upon any normal person like learning how to listen to music as critically as maybe you or I do. <laughs> no, like just like breaking all the parts down and everything, yeah, no. you know, and not having trouble enjoying things as like a full, just like wonder wonderment type experience. But like yeah. 10% of that is nice. I think yep. to have exactly. you know, a little bit more exactly. context. I actually, I kind of had an existential crisis for a little while. <laughs> like when, when my ears changed to like music school ears. Yeah. I was like, I don't like music as much anymore. Cause like I hear all the parts and how they all interlocked and I'm thinking all the time. I've, I've kind of, I've gotten to the other end of that, but there were, there was like, there were a couple years in there that was, that were scary. 
I mean, I think they tell you, like, you learn these rules and then you're supposed to forget them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I think that yeah. that's something people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, it took me a long time to forget all the rules. <laughs> I still feel like I know too many of them. I don't <laughs> want them, you know? <laughs> totally. Actually, I want to talk to you, I guess, about my my favorite songwriting rule. Sure. Um, songwriting form. Okay. I, I've been noticing some really interesting trends in songwriting form. Yeah. And um, I'm just curious about like how you how you approach a, a tune, and obviously this can change midstream. I do this all the time. Where like, oh, I'm going to move the bridge over here instead, or I'm going to take away this first pre-chorus, but leave in leave in a second pre-chorus. But like the pacing of the song and like the going through the different sections. Curious, like how your 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 thought process of that has maybe evolved. Like I know that like Max Martin's got like his thing. He's got like a certain way that he he wants to like pace out a tune. Um, but I'm just, I'm just curious, like, do you think about form or do you just kind of like, like let it flow or how, how, how do you interact with like that specific technique based bit of songwriting? Well, I mean, again, I think it's a thing where, um, I used to worry about it a lot more than I do now. Um, yeah. like, you know, I think when you're, it's important to learn like the shit that's worked forever in like right. in your medium. Like, yeah, I always tell people like, you know, if you if you want the song to be for a specific medium, like if you want it to be pop music, if you want it to be, then don't make it eight minutes long and don't make yeah. like the chorus come in at four minutes. You know what I mean? Like, but if you <laughs> right. want to just make a piece of art, then that's awesome. Do that. Like Radiohead has songs that are crazy like that. They're that amazing. Yeah. But like, yeah. I'm not sure that they work today on like pop whatever radio, but yeah. it, who cares? Yeah. Like, it just exactly. depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So I think... You know, if you're trying to make a pop song, there's certain mm-hmm. things that, you know, work or are, are working better now than they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you try to pay attention to like the trends. And so, so you know, stay to stay like to make sure that whatever you're making sort of can fit loosely in this mold of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So I do yeah. pay attention to that. But uh, yeah, there's no like rules to it. I don't think, no. you know, it's not like totally. I'm, I mean, maybe like six years ago or 10 years ago, you'd be like, oh, if your chorus hasn't come in by 38 seconds and you know, you're not cutting the second half of your uh, second pre-chorus, then this isn't a correct pop song. But I don't think that mm-hmm. really applies anymore. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's also interesting to look at the ways that song form changed from like, you know, Beatles, Beach totally. Boys era, like traditional, more AABA kind of song form, like like yesterday. Yeah, like a good example of kind of a weirder form of that. To you know what it is today with like uh, I kissed a girl or something like that on on kind of the other. Yeah, end of I I think that that almost has run its course in some ways yeah, too. Like cool. even like modern like pop pop songs, like yeah, mm-hmm. of course they have like formats, but they're I don't think it's quite as um, like syntax oriented. Um, I, agree. I actually I think agree. that the biggest songs now are the ones that tend to, um, or the ones that people feel like are classic tend to sort of step outside the box and, and refer to periods like that Beatles beach boys period. Um, mm-hmm. almost like directly, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. th- it feels like a renewed sort of thing because everything is cyclical trends come and mm-hmm. go, you know, people get tired of, 128 to 135 dance music after a while and then they want to hear something slower and then yep. you know a couple of years later they you know they want to party again so exactly i mean exactly. it's it's it's, yes. it's sort of like and i'm trying to like fit into that too much i think is a you're chasing your own tail i think you just make what you make and and you just try to be 
um, like loosely aware of what works and doesn't work, you know? Yeah. No, that's a great point. It's a great point. And I agree with you in terms of the overly syn- syntactical, like, um, I think artists like Remy Wolf is a good example of somebody yeah. that kind of just like has hooks. She's so sick. She's so sick. So sick. Yeah. 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 It's I, refreshing. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's nice to like not, and not have to like think as like squarely, like this is the chorus. It's just like, here's another hook. And here's an even better hook. Yeah, just and then, like, like here's one more. Just like write cool <laughs> shit, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Just like do cool stuff and totally. make it sound good. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, I, that's I, the job. That's that's, that's the, the job. gig. There's your golden nugget, everybody. Um, I one of the things that I've been I've maybe I'm falling too prey to right now, but um, if I don't have a good enough second verse idea, I just don't. You just don't do like, the second, you don't write just it. don't do the second verse. Yeah, like I do either like a new section or variation on the second verse to turn it into an instrumental, but I've just like, I, I, I can't bring myself to write a crappy second verse anymore. I just can't. It has to be good. Yeah, well, what's the point? To yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> to be fair, like, yeah, if you're not absolutely thrilled with something by the end of the first chorus, you probably, probably don't need <laughs> yeah, to write the second <laughs> verse at all. You, you just write something new. <laughs> Totally. You know I mean? But sometimes it just feels like, okay, I said it. What else am I going to say? It's like, oh, you know, you could do the Nashville thing and change perspective or change time period or whatever. It's like, or you just don't do it and do a different hook. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm bringing my chaos into this conversation. No, no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Chaotic um, energy is good. Uh, t- talking Nashville, um, the Hunter Hayes, Hayes song that you just uh, worked on, yeah. Sober. Yes. I'm um, curious, curious how that goes. Um, you know, country artist. How 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 was that process? Were you pitching the tune? Was that through through Warren Chapel? Like how how did yeah. that how did that come about? Let me think about that. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think uh, that was something that um, came through my yeah through Warner. Um, cool. Hunter had just I think moved or was in the process of like moving either full time or part time to LA and nice. was looking for some like new people to collaborate with um that had a little bit different perspective. I think he wanted to move a little bit away from like just being seen strictly as like a Nashville country oh. guy. Oh for sure. For um sure. and so um <laughs> yeah we we wrote that one I think we did maybe four or five days uh, mm-hmm. spread out over a couple of months with, with Hunter. It was myself, um, my friend uh, Aaron Zuckerman, who I collab- c- collaborate and co-produce with uh, quite a bit, and um, Rolo Spreckley, who's an amazing art uh, artist and writer, signed to um, Atlantic or APG. And um, yeah, so it was the three of us and Hunter. And cool. we just, uh, one of the songs that we wrote was, was that one. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think it went through a few different iterations of production. Some... Mm-hmm. I think was more uh, like program sounding. Some of it, the, mm-hmm. the latest version is almost all Hunter playing. So he cool. he really nice. took took that to the finish line production wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was a fun process to do something totally. a little bit more live sounding and a little bit more like just like leave it in the hands of the artist to sort of do his thing to finish, which was which was cool. That is cool, and it's cool to be I don't know part of that. Uh, kind of crossroads of that that artist career where they're saying like I want to evolve in this way and then like you can kind of help them you know explore different parts of their sound different parts of their personality yeah I mean he's such a nice guy and like was so easy to collaborate with and like it's so generous and open um like with us just from the beginning which is so nice Uh, and I think one of the things that makes any artist really great to work with is just he has a he has a very specific perspective and he really knows what he's trying to accomplish or at least the feeling that he's trying to achieve and so Mm -hmm. 
when you have some sort of North star in that way, I think as an artist, it's really powerful because then the people around you can, can really figure out how to help you and, and try to execute that vision or explore it with you. Um, rather than, you know, sometimes that's not so clear. And so it was really nice for him. Yeah. He came in, uh, super prepared. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I feel like that's the number one thing that an artist needs is like vision. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's more rare than I think, um, mm-hmm. That I think a lot of people would 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 guess like like a true like kind of uh, big picture kind of vision for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and sometimes it exhausts. Sometimes people have vision for the first like record or two, and then beyond that, they're like, I don't know where I evolve yet. I mean, I think and, that's uh, natural, right? It is, of course, it is. That's when you that's when you run or take a long bike ride. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, I've never I've never been an artist, so I just find it so impressive like just being able to negotiate all of these things and have it be so personal and yeah personal personal and like tied Mm -hmm. to your you know your identity and all that i mean Mm -hmm. i you know it's such a tough thing to do i have a lot of respect for for artists totally and sometimes that's why uh you you know put on a stupid name like scubert dubert and then uh it makes it a little easier (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah then 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 you can then you can have some room some room to have fun you know Right, right. And then I can write songs about shrimp burritos and nobody bats an eye. There you go. Shrimp burrito <laughs> sounds great. They're pretty good, man. A lot of people that I uh, I added that, that was that was one of my like stupid shower songs. <laughs> nice. I was like, I'm going yeah. to track this one. It was my birthday. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm just going to spend my, my morning recording this song. That's really dumb. Getting shrimp um, burritos. Getting shrimp burritos. Three part harmony. Let's on go. Burrito. Um, yeah, it was great. Let's go. Um, but yeah, a lot of people reacted to that, and they're like, "You shrimp burrito." I'm like, "Don't hate it; it's delicious." What's wrong with Seems the shrimp like, burrito? Explain that one I to know, me. I just think they don't. They don't. They like think of like you know burrito chicken or beef or something like that. Okay. I, I, I'm not. I don't think that these are necessarily. I mean, SoCal I, or Miami natives that are used to different I, things. I, I mean, I think people just need to expand their burrito horizons. You know, exactly. it's a beautiful exactly. burrito world out there. There's oh, a there's a veritable mind. cornucopia of burrito options. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, anyway, I want to I want to ask you just one last one last kind of sure. thing. It might it might span out, out for a bit. Yeah, because I can. We've been talking can a lot. Tell, I can talk to a about, snake for an hour. Dude, this is great. So. Yeah, no, this, this is rad. Um, we've been talking like folk instrument writing sure. primarily so far. Let's talk top line writing, beat writing. Okay. Um, so I, I'm I'm certain that you've done this in a few different ways, but uh, writing on a beat that somebody like provided versus you know making a beat and then writing on it. How do you usually split up those those times? Are you thinking of hooks as you're like playing the guitar part? How how do you navigate like the differences between you know folk based writing and uh, you know hip hop or beat based writing? I mean, I think it's all like more of a hybrid now. Even like cool. I mean. I think when I first started out, like I was doing a lot more work in like hip hop and even like just hip hop style, like traditionally yeah. would be like, we make a beat, writers write on the beat yes. and there's no overlap. Right. And, but yeah. like, you know, even then I think a lot of times, like we weren't like bringing in fully finished beats. Like you go mm-hmm. into the session yeah. with like maybe like a couple of loops or like instrumental ideas and then like whatever one starts sparking, um, like even in in hip hop, I think it's super important to sort of hear the cadence of someone yeah. like writing a hook or writing like a you know like you know 
And, 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 and so that way you can sort of like be making it as you're hearing what's going on in the room and it's like cool. you're making the beat, they're writing. And that happens for pop too. I feel like, you know, yeah. you can start with a guitar part or like a drum loop or something. And mm-hmm. then um, like you, you want to build it around what's going on because I think like okay. doing them together gives you the ability to like sort of follow a melody here or like, oh, this mm-hmm. is going to need a chord change based on where they're going or whatever it might be. Cool. Um, yeah. There's more flexibility. But um, yeah, I like that. Certainly have also like, you know, I, it can be fun to like, I, I don't do yeah. a lot of it um, because typically I'm like doing some more of the production, but um, yes. it can be fun to just like flip through a folder of beats and just whip hooks on everything. You know what totally. I mean? Like, why not? You know? I know. That's that's one of the reasons why I like uh, working with EDM guys yeah. sometimes because they'll just send me something like, this is done. Put a vocal on it. It's like, you got like this much space that you can fill and it's like kind of like it's kind of fun because it, it's like it's almost like writing to a to um a brief or something yeah because it's kind of like you gotta you gotta hit this range you gotta kind of be in this space otherwise it's not gonna work yeah i mean i think the 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 fun part about writing to finish tracks is the energy is already there for you yes you know what yes, i mean totally. the the right. other thing where it can be kind of like tricky is sometimes it's tougher to tell if it's a good song or not i know <laughs> because totally. like if the production is fun and like you know, you're just sort of like, sometimes it automatically sounds too good, like at the beginning. Yes. And then like two days yes. later, you're like, oh shit, those lyrics are fucking terrible. And like, yes. this melody is not that good. And that beat was just kind of sick, you know? Yep. yep so totally. you got to be careful with that, but it, it can be really fun. Have you written multiple songs on the same beat? Like just wiped it, uh, written again? No, never. I mean, like, yeah. I don't, I don't think so at least. Um it's funny, like, I think about recycling stuff sometimes. Damn, that was a cool beat. Like, I should pull, like, yeah. at least part of that back out. Um, but I, like, never do it for some reason. Mm-hmm. I definitely will pull, like, sounds and cool, like, cool parts out of productions. Like, if I finish right. a production, it's, like, I made a cool snare that I like. Like, you know, yeah. I'll put that in my little sample library and keep creating, like, a, you know, bin of stuff that I've made over mm-hmm. the years. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, never, like, full songs for whatever reason or full beats. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually I've I've done it a few times. It's super hard. Yeah, yeah, because it's like you already breathed like life into this song and you're gonna take it back out and put in a new soul. <laughs> I mean, like, we've definitely done intense weird. rewrites on stuff where it's like totally yeah, yeah. new verse melody, totally cool, new lyrics. Cool. And those are tough, man. They yeah. they can be tough, but sometimes it's worth doing. If you have a really yeah, yeah. strong piece, like it's worth going hard to get the other pieces up to up to snuff. I agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Especially, yeah, especially a verse that's just not quite hitting. If that was like, you know, a throwaway end of session, you know, like, oh, we just got to want to get something in there. And then you come back and you're like, oof, but everything else is great. And that's the, that's the anchor around its neck. You got to gotta get back in there. Totally. Fight, fight for the awesome pieces. I mean, they're like, like we said earlier, they come rarely. So, you know, yes. use them. Yes, that's great. Well, this is an awesome conversation. Is there any other, like, I don't know, personal things about music or, or life and creativity that you'd love to kind of leave the listeners with? I don't know. I mean, that's, <laughs> damn, I, we, we I, feel like, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like that. Look, there's like a lot of pressure on that question. Yeah, I know. Right? Um, no, no. I, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome to talk to you, man. And good to meet you. Totally. Like this is yeah, uh, long, long overdue. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. Um how can they? How can they find your your stuff? I'll, I'll throw links in the bio and stuff. Yeah, links links to, in the bio. I've got you. Got it. They'll they'll be there. <laughs> you got it. Sounds good. And likewise, my stuff. Scubertdubert.pizza is my website, and uh, I'll drop my links in there as well. So thank you so much, Alex, and um, wish wish you all the best. Looking forward to hearing more and more songs. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks, dude.
ていう。